Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our personal definition of wealth through conversations with talented and successful women who are living their version of a wealthy and meaningful life. Teresa Leftenant is owner of Reinventing Her Money, a boutique financial planning and wealth management company located on Mercer Island, Washington. Teresa is a licensed financial advisor and certified financial planner professional. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. CFP and Certified Financial Planner, the Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated, owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for an individual. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified professional. Our guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Teresa Lieutenant, or Reinventing Her Money. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we explore how women create a meaningful and abundant life on her terms. As a certified financial planning professional, a wealth advisor, author, and coach with over 30 years experience, professional women hire me to gain the right knowledge confidence and commitment to prepare for planned and unplanned changes that inevitably happen as they pursue their own version of a wealthy life. But a wealthy life is not just about how much money we have in the bank. True wealth is found through pursuing a balance of all the things that are important to us. And the mission of this show is to engage in casual yet deep conversations with experts who have who are living a wealthy life on her terms and we'll explore what it means to live a wealthy life and learn specific ways that our guests are doing just that. As a certified financial planner professional, I'll be sharing tips and ideas to help make sure you have the money you need to pursue your own version of a wealthy life. So I don't know how you're all feeling right now, but I know I'm growing just a little bit weary about staying indoors so much. I mean, I do get out for my daily walks, but I also have two healthcare workers that in my family, so I just have to double down and I know it's even more important than ever that we just take a deep breath and keep doing what we're doing. It's all going to pay off later on. You know, this uh, pandemic that we're all experiencing in our own ways has really dramatically altered everyone's daily life. Seems like I hear about it in different ways every day. Uh, but not everyone is being touched in the same way. And at the time we need social connection more than ever, at the time when we're really yearning to just be with the people that we care about, unfortunately, some of us in this country are coping with grief because we lost a loved one to the virus. Talking about money is something I'm really passionate about with my clients, my friends, everyone I know. But it's a subject that a lot of people, women, they just want to avoid it. It can be uncomfortable. But today we're going to talk about another subject that people sometimes want to avoid, and that's dying. Specifically, we're going to talk about how we can prepare an end-of-life plan. And our guest, who I'm so excited to have with us today, she's going to be sharing some stories about people who planned and some people who didn't plan 
and then the consequences of their actions. She's also going to be helping us learn some really powerful tools and help that will help us show our loved ones how much we care about them so that we can they can be more prepared when that inevitable event happens. You know, I was thinking about that joke the other day. What they say, you just we just can't get out of this place alive. <laughs> But that's what we need to face, is that it's true. We're just not going to get out of this place alive. So we have to prepare for our own, so that our family knows our own wishes and that they know how much we care about them. You know, we read in the news about some famous people who haven't made plans. Maybe you've read about Prince and Aretha Franklin. Neither one of them had a, a will or an estate plan in order, and it put some real extra burden on their families at a time when their families were just coping with grief over losing their loved one. I don't know, were you shocked when you read that people who you thought supposedly had a lot of money hadn't really put that as a priority in their life? I know I'm always shocked when I hear that because it seems like estate planning is something that the wealthy would just do automatically, but that's not always the case. So what I want for you as you listen to this show today, I want you to put that as a priority on your list that you, and a, and a near-term priority, because I think what you're going to find when you hear us speak, that there's a lot of really important reasons to make this a priority in your life. So what do you, what do you need to think about when it comes to planning the financial part of your end-of-life plan? I'm just going to give you some basic foundation to what the financial planning might look like. And then when my guest comes on, we're gonna go take a deeper dive into all of these areas. So obviously we know we start with a will, right? And that's a document that gives our fam family and friends and important people instructions about how we want our assets to be distributed and what we want to have happen after we're gone. It also names a really important person, and that's an executor, a person who is going to be responsible for making sure our wishes happen. We can also name a guardian if we have any minor children, and we can even make provisions for our pets. But this is just the critical starting point that every family and every person should make a priority to have. And then the next level might be, should we have a trust or not? Now, this might seem way too overcomplicated, but it can be used for some really important um, elements of life. For instance, I married a man who had a Down syndrome brother, and, that, and um, his will had in place a trust who would have instructions for what would happen and how his brother would be taken care of should he pass before his brother did. Another reason to have a trust is sometimes you want to have uh, charitable contributions and you want to make sure that people know what your wishes are in terms of how you want to leave money to charities. The next thing is to create some what, what are called powers of attorney. And this is these are documents where you appoint someone else to quote like be you. 
if you can't handle certain things, like maybe, you know, your daily financial decisions or more importantly, health related decisions. Because if you don't have a power of attorney, then sometimes the court might have to get involved in selecting certain people to act on your behalf. And that might not be the very best person to make sure your wishes are known. So I tell my clients that choosing the person to handle these affairs, if you were just incapacitated, not dying, is really important because the best person to, to handle these important um, responsibilities might not be a family member. Another area that I always talk to all my clients about is what are your beneficiaries for your retirement assets and your life insurance policies? Because, you know, when you have a 401k or an IRA, those accounts would pass at your death directly to the beneficiaries, the people that you name in the documents. So they don't have to go through a, a process that's called probate where uh, the court dis determines the timing and so on of distribution of assets. So titling your accounts is really important and making sure that your beneficiaries are in shape, that is of primary goal for setting aside your end of life plan and getting all of your documents together. So clients ask, there's other things of course, but clients ask me all the time. So I'm getting all my documents together. Now what do I do with them? So obviously you want to put them in a safe place and you also want to share them. You want to share them with, of course, your attorney would have a copy. Maybe you have a trusted professional, a certified financial planner like myself. They would need a copy. And your powers of attorney, you'd want to make sure that you gave them to the people that you are giving that responsibility. And also the executor of your will. So you want to make sure that once the documents are ready, give yourself a round of applause and then make sure everybody has the document they need so they can make sure your is your wishes are followed through all right so what happens if you have these documents and then things change you know because kids grow up and your needs change and grandchildren get born uh, loved ones pass your net worth changes all of these things so you want to make sure to update all your documents whenever you have a major change and also, the government does tinker with the estate law from time to time. So keeping up with that is important. So you'll know if any of the changes would affect you or your plan. So in before I introduce my guest, just in summary, crafting and maintaining a well-designed estate plan is going to give you this peace of mind and this feeling of ease because you'll know that the bases are covered when you're gone and that your wishes will be heard and listened to. So for guidance on mapping out an estate plan, you can visit my website, reinventinghermoney.com, and just schedule a mom, uh, an appointment with me because I'm happy to provide a complimentary review of your current thoughts about your plan or if you have one. Of course, I'm not an estate planning attorney. I don't draft documents, but I can help you figure things out and, and ask you some really penetrating questions so that you can make the choices that you need to make to st get started on um, getting your, your financial life in shape. All right, so let me introduce my very special guest, Maureen Curris. 
So with a career spanning 30 years in the medical industry, Maureen is no stranger to end-of-life experience. As an oncology, hospice, and ICU nurse, she was privileged to witness and provide end-of-life care for many of her patients. And as a nurse supporting bone marrow transplants, she also had the opportunity to assist in extending life for many other patients. So it's no surprise that this specialized work led Maureen to develop a unique perspective on death. She saw firsthand the devastation that can occur when families had not had candid conversations with their family members, conversations that could have prepared prepared everyone to more positively weather the transition of their loved one. This is such an important service that you do for people. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Teresa. Well, you and I share uh, that we have family members that work in healthcare. And so we hear some of the frontline stories, don't we, uh, about how this pandemic is affecting people. So I just, you know, want to know how are you weathering all of the changes to your life, to your family's lives in this new time? You know, it's challenging, isn't it? In the beginning, it wasn't, but as it carries on, it is. But I keep hearing from my husband who works with many of these patients every single day, um, the importance of just staying uh, in place. And and the longer we can, the more um, hope there is to get back to uh, normal life, whatever that will be as soon as we possibly can. So I've really been taking it to heart. And most days are good. I've had my moments of panic, you know, uh, yeah. I interacted with um, an old 93 year old priest at our church, I actually picked up his medication and took it to him. And I thought I was dropping it at the door. And I didn't have my mask on. So as soon as he pulled it, I put to, got to the door and put the stuff down. He opened the door and there I am face to face with him. Oh, wow. Well, then that night, you know, I was woke up in the middle of the night. thinking, Am I hot? Am I feverish? Oh my gosh. Did I just expose him? And so I'm not an anxious person, but that night I had anxiety that just happened the other night. And uh, so I think we're all having different levels of um, anxiety and uh, reaction to this. Yeah, and uh, some of them can be quite emotional. Well, you know, when you and I were preparing for this uh, interview, you know, I, you know that what my passion is, is motivating women, empowering women to really take action. And that's something that you're doing in your business. So I want to start by asking, what would be the first step that women need to be aware of when it comes to really taking those actions of planning their end of life? Well, you said it earlier, uh, just earlier, realizing it's going to happen. None of us are getting out of this life alive. We right. just don't know when it will happen. So there's actually a few steps to take, but that's the first one. And then once you realize, you know, prepare for it. Start getting things in order, making sure you're reviewing your insurance plans and um, that you have insurance in place for taking care of your end of life needs if anything happens, maybe your funeral expenses. And, you know, it's always a good idea to think about prepaying funeral expenses. Now, I was telling my 20 something sons, hey, you know, when you actually really get out there and start, you might want to think about doing that now because 
it's so astronomically expensive. I've heard it's anywhere to have a traditional funeral here in the Seattle area. It's anywhere from eight to $35,000. Wow. And that's, that's just shocking. So then you, you know, you have to think about, do you want to be buried or cremated? And there's so many different kinds of burials now, um, not just the traditional burial and cremation. So there's lots of things to think of. Yes. And, you know, I, I've had this experience. My, I mentioned that my husband's brother who had Down syndrome, he unfortunately passed a few years ago and his parents had purchased a Neptune Society uh, opportunity for him to be cremated. And it was just so smooth and easy for us uh, because they just came and picked up the body and uh, we had a process to go through. So, you know, we, my husband and I were always saying we are going to get Neptune Society for us, which I have to say, yay for us, we did this year. So I'm going to continue to, you know, invite you to help us learn the more detailed steps that we can take, but we need to take a quick break. And so when we come back, Maureen and I are going to be talking about how do we really face that conversation, that difficult conversation about dying and make it easier for us. So uh, come on right back to A Wealthy Life for Her. Life can change in an instant. I took care of a 62-year-old woman who had played tennis in the morning, was admitted to the ICU in the afternoon, and was declared brain dead the next day. Her family was blindsided. They had never talked about what to do if a scenario like this had ever happened. Let me help you figure out the best way to have candid conversations with your family now before it's too late. My name is Maureen Curis and I'm the founder of Radiant Morning. To get more information or to schedule a complimentary 20-minute call, email me at Maureen, M-A-U-R-E-E-N, at Radiant Morning, spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G dot com. Teresa Leftenant believes that women deserve to reinvent their financial lives from avoidance and confusion to clarity and commitment by creating a wealthy money mindset and informed financial planning skill set. Without an understanding of their early money programming, women will continue to create the same unwanted financial circumstances. If you truly want to change your relationship and results with money, you must face what you really think and feel about money and transform it. Ready to change your mind about money? Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com to schedule a chat with Teresa. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant and my guest, Maureen Curris. And we are talking about death and how to prepare an end-of-life plan and why it's so important. So, Maureen, you have so much more experience than this than I do. Why is having this conversation about dying so difficult for people? Well, because we're afraid. Let's face it. Who wants to talk about death and dying? It's not fun. It's not um, something that we're used to. It's just not something that we're we're used to. It 
most families don't talk about it. It's so different than it used to be. A hundred years ago, it was just a natural part of life and it is not anymore. Most people haven't even seen a dead body in their lives, you know, right. when they can go a good part of their lives. But it used to be that um, that families talked about it because it happened right within the family. Right. You know, that maybe the body was laid out in the parlor for the neighbors to visit and before the funerals. And we don't do that anymore. Yeah, I think that's a big point, isn't it? Is that it's gotten out away from our society. It isn't, people don't die at home anymore. They, we take them off and they die somewhere else. And many times, I mean, this is one of the hardest parts about COVID is that people are having to die alone. Uh, so it's, you know, th this, um, this feeling that it is uh, something we're afraid of, it's something we're not used to talking about, that doesn't mean that we can't take it on, right? It doesn't mean that we can't change our view of it and we can take it on. So how do you guide your client, your client families to talk about this subject? Well, first of all, I like to review their family values with them because what they value in life is what they're going to value at end of life as they're dying. And they'll value that for their family and loved ones left behind. Um, you know, usually it's the woman that brings this to the table. Mm -hmm. usually the woman in her mid forties to mid sixties that realizes that this is going to happen. Usually they have parents that are aging and they don't know how to start the conversation. They're afraid. Um, then there's the parents of that person and they want to start the conversation, but they don't know how either they realize they're getting older and, and they might not want to face it, but they do know that, that, life does not go on forever. Um, you know, I think about my mother's generation, they hated to talk about death. My mom still to this day, she's 83. And she hates to talk about death because she doesn't want to be a burden on people. Mm -hmm. And this is considered a burden. Mm -hmm. Now, she has talked about death with us, you know, my dad died. And um, she didn't want to share that with us. So she didn't want to share her grief because she didn't want to be a burden. Uh, but it's as easy as starting by saying, hey, mom, I've been thinking about the future. And I know you're fine now, but what happens if you're not fine? What happens if something happens and you can't uh, live on your own and you can't make your own decisions? How do we move forward that would honor you? Mm -hmm. And sometimes just when you just take that bold move and start that candid conversation. It allows them to share the wishes that they want to express. They just don't know how. And it gives them the roadmap on how to do it. You know what I love about how you're expressing it so so nonchalantly and just, you know, conversationally instead of, oh, I have something to talk to you about, you know, just to make it part of a natural flow. Um, how can the person not feel cared for about that? And really, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's it's about our caring for it. It is about caring. And for me, it's about honoring someone's wishes. And, you know, like for me, I never want my sons to worry that they made the wrong decision. 
and live with guilt and regret. Um, I want them to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I want to tell them exactly what I want as my life progresses. And that's what I shared with my mom. You know, I, my mom thinks she's going to live forever and she truly does. And at 83, she's the most active person I know. Um, she's going crazy with this stay in place for COVID, but, uh, you know, I, we, it took some gentle uh, guidance, but we've had some really wonderful conversations about what to do if that time comes that she can't do it herself. Right. And there, and, and um, you know, we're going to address this a little bit later, but the point is that there are phases, right? Mm-hmm. There's phases that we don't really know how it's going to evolve. We don't know if we're going to get a diagnosis or whatever, but you know, in my own family, um, my mother was the one who didn't want to talk about it, but my father was actively always engaging me and my two sisters. He would say things, well, I'm in the zone, so you and we've got to sit down and talk about the financial stuff so that I make sure you know what to do. And I remember being a little bit resentful that every time I went to see him for 10 years, it was that conversation. But when the time came and he did pass, which luckily, you know, he was in his 90s. I was so, you know, fortunate to have him that long. I was so grateful that he had taken the initiative. And usually it's the other way around, isn't it, Maureen? Usually it's the children who approach the parents. But in this case, um, he really taught me how to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a a gift, isn't it? Yeah, I really appreciate it. It makes things less traumatic at the end. It's traumatic anyway. You lose your beloved parent or your beloved spouse or your beloved sibling or friend. or But to have that their wishes that you've known and they've told you how to deal with things and honor them. It just, it makes it so much easier. Well, so I started um, just with a little bit of an introduction about, so you start this conversation. If you can get them to say, yeah, let's do, let's sit down. Let's really take a look at what I want. Now the part of what they want, well, there's two parts. There's the health there's the health caring, caring for me if I have a health problem. That's one of the wishes that you want to understand. And then the other part is the financial mm-hmm. aspects of life. And, you know, I think there's so much um, so much over uh, worry about money, you know, what money means. And we're also emotionally impacted that that makes that piece of it just a little bit harder. So what I'd like to ask you about is, so what, how can we make that part of the conversation a little bit easier, you know, and the, money part. Of, the money part, instead of making it so much about, oh, money means this or, or money means that, you know, it's funny that you asked that because <laughs> that was a very interesting conversation with my mother and my sister and myself, because uh, my sister is my mom's financial power of attorney mm-hmm. and my sister didn't know that my mom told her chose her without ever asking which is you know something not the best way to do it actually it's always nice to ask someone would you be willing to take this on but my sister graciously said yes I will be willing to take it on and then um we just sat down and it was part of starting what are your wishes what do you what do you want um do you have we have to ask do you have finances in place and 
um, I remember saying to my mom, mom, you know, your children will all step in and let's make it easy for you and for Sharon. Let's get a checking account set up with her name because my mother had not done that. Mm-hmm. And um, and let's work some things out and start that financial conversation. She was a little resistant at first because, you know, finances are very close to the chest with uh, my mother's generation. You don't share a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just was a, a, actually it was a number of gentle conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, mom you know, have you thought about getting that checking account yet? Can we, you know, can we talk about that? And how can we make this easier for you? Right. I love that. That piece yes. of it right there, Maureen, a gentle conversations, a little bit at a time. How can we help out? What's going to make you feel more comfortable? And that goes from wherever side of the conversation you're having, because, you know, many people don't have resistance about this conversation, but if they do, you can help each other along. If they do, it's, it's, Take your cues from the person you're talking to. And in my case, I knew with my mom, she can, um, on certain things, she's my rock, but she can get her hackles up a little bit on certain things if she's trying to be told what to do. So we had to gently guide the conversation for her to decide what to do. So, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of went through a little bit of the estate planning process yes, and you did. I just wanted to introduce it so that there was some context. But what do you think is the most important, besides the will, the most important um, step that our listeners can take regarding their end of life plan when you're talking about the documentation? Well, talking about the documentation, I personally think the healthcare power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And there's different things, you know, with advanced care planning, the healthcare decision maker, proxy, advocate, whatever you want to call it. But the, the healthcare power of attorney is the legal document that gives someone the right to make decisions on your behalf should you become unable to do so because of medical issues, um, dementia. There's so many different things. And uh, healthcare power of attorney, they can't make decisions for you if you're of sound mind and able to do it yourself. It takes effect the minute you are unable to make yours and it ends upon your death, the financial power, I mean, the healthcare power of attorney, as does the financial power of attorney. But but with the healthcare power of attorney, you want that decision maker that knows your wishes, the one that will stand up for what you wanted, no matter what. I, I've been the healthcare power of attorney for a couple different people. Uh, most recently, my beloved uncle, who didn't wake up one morning. And he and I, he was 88. We had had many conversations about his end of life. And he wanted to just go to bed one night and not wake up. Well, he did go to bed, but he was still alive. He just wasn't um, waking up. Mm-hmm. He had a big bleed into his head. And as his power of attorney, I had to go toe to toe with the neurologist, the neurosurgeon who wanted to go in and do surgery and evacuate the blame, the bleed into his brain. And my uncle had just been at his kickoff golf luncheon the day before mm-hmm. and was very excited about the golf season. So I said to the neurosurgeon, will he be able to golf again? Well, no, most likely, I mean, no, but we we'll, should be able to get him to talk and maybe move a little bit. I said, no, will he be able to get back to how he was yesterday? 
Yeah. Well, no, of course not. But we can get him to, you know, wake up. And I, I said, but that's not what he wanted. And it was very hard because the doctor kept pushing me. Mm. And, you know, to say no to my beloved uncle who I wanted to I thought we thought he'd live well into his 90s. It was hard. So when you choose a power of attorney, mm-hmm. and this is why it's important to have that legal document, mm-hmm. you have to choose someone strong enough to make those decisions during emotional times because it is very emotional. And he chose me over his daughter because he knew she would be too emotional. Well, that's a good point right there, isn't it? Is yeah. You have to really ask when you're choosing that power of attorney uh, for both the financial and the health care, who will be able to make logical decisions based on my wishes without being overly emotional. And, you know, I, I know of families who have gotten into fights about this because oh. one of the daughters or whatever is trying to make the decision and the other daughters don't agree with it. And that can really put a lot of strain on, on relationships. It's, you know, I saw it every day, not every day. I saw it every year, many, many times a year when I worked in the ICU with patients that had never talked about this. Mm-hmm. And those families I'm sure today are still fractured um, by the decision not to speak about it. Mm-hmm. Um it happens and why not plan for it and why not make sure that if it does your children are prepared and or whoever your those that matter most to you are prepared because they know because they know your wishes and then they can act on your behalf and when everyone knows your wishes it makes that decision makers job so much easier the other thing when you do have a, a power of attorney you want to make sure it's someone that you trust to make a decision for a scenario you've never talked about. Oh, there's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Excellent. things do come up that you might never have thought about in your conversations about your end of life wishes. Right. Well, this is just wonderful information and we're going to take another break right now. But when we come back, we're going to continue talking about really taking that responsibility for your own Uh, end of life and really passing on a gift of caring to your family by being responsible around expressing your wishes. So hang in there with us and we'll be right back to a wealthy life for her. Teresa Leftenant believes that women deserve to reinvent their financial lives from avoidance and confusion to clarity and commitment by creating a wealthy money mindset and informed financial planning skill set. Without an understanding of their early money programming, women will continue to create the same unwanted financial circumstances. If you truly want to change your relationship and results with money, you must face what you really think and feel about money and transform it. Ready to change your mind about money? Visit reinventinghermoney.com to schedule a chat with Teresa. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you scared to talk to your loved ones about dying? Maureen Cures with Radiant Morning helps families just like yours start candid conversations around end-of-life wishes well before a terminal diagnosis or unexpected bad news. Maureen is a registered nurse with more than 30 years experiencing her patients' end-of-life and the challenges they faced when communication was put off 
and no plan in place. Talking about death is an important part of passing on the gifts of your life to your loved ones. Maureen can guide you to speak up and get everyone in the family on the same page. To learn more or to schedule a complimentary 20-minute call with Maureen, visit RadiantMorning.com. That's Radiant, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G.com. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Lieutenant and my guest, Maureen Curris. And we are talking about preparing and being responsible for creating an end-of-life plan, which uh, expresses your wishes for being taken care of if you have a medical diagnosis and have a period of time where you are declining, and also to make sure that your wishes are reflected in your estate planning documents. So, you know, taking this responsibility about, you know, when you actually, what's going to happen after you pass. But then there's also that period of time that we, that many of us have where we're healthy and like your uncle having a great time golfing, traveling, all of this. And then there is this diagnosis or something that happens and there's a, a decline in life. Now, that's what happened to my dad. He was um, golfing until he was age 90. He had a big 90th birthday party. And within the next year, he was diagnosed with bladder cancer, which he then had for the next five years. And so we have this kind of slowdown period sometimes, if we're lucky, I guess. So, um, you know, how do you recommend people handle that? Well, that's, you know, that's a really challenging thing because, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't want to think about it. Right. And we, and there's that period where do I stay in my home or? Right. You know, my um, I have some friends whose parents are parents that um, I grew up with that are facing that. They're both in their early 90s, still healthy and active, but they definitely slowed down. They're living on their own. Their kids are concerned and they wonder how long can they stay there? You know, they've discussed assisted living with their parents. They really don't want to go, um, but they've made plans in case they have to go. Uh, they've talked about someone coming to live with them and should they become unable to care for themselves. In fact, that's just the same conversation I had with my mom. She really does not want to go to an assisted living. So we talked about, well, what would that look like if she be able, became unable to care for herself? Would she allow someone, a caregiver, to come into her home? I live in Seattle. She's in California. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister lives close by. But, um, you know, we talked, and then we had to talk about the cost. Mom, you know, I said, Mom, we need to make sure you're financially secure to have someone come into your home and care for you. And so we've been having those ongoing conversations and looking at the budgets and everything and and exploring what that would cost because end of life care is very expensive. Mm -hmm. And the other issue with a lot of this is going into assisted living or, you know, nursing homes is we don't have enough caregivers in this country right now. Mm -hmm. And so the burden, if you want to call it that, the um, responsibility falls to the family so often. And that is really challenging for so many families when it's unexpected and unplanned for. 
what I um, tell my clients is, you know, you may not choose or need to buy long-term care insurance, but what you do deserve to have is a plan about how you would handle this if you have longevity in your family. According to AARP, uh, Maureen, 70, it's, they say that 70% of people who turn 65 will need some support in the long-term care area during their lifetime. And, you know, sometimes uh, it's just to recover from an accident or maybe you have knee surgery and you have to go to a facility to get re- rehabilitation. But those are the kinds of things that can be um, assisted and you need to have the idea of how this is going to happen. And by the way, almost 50% of those 95 and older are in some sort of care facility. You know, there's a terminology nursing home that people really shy away from, but they've evolved. You know, these care facilities have evolved from the old fashioned, you know, you get left there and nobody comes to visit you and you don't have any choices. But the point is, is that the statistics are, are a good motivator for families to sit down so that everybody understands what the what if scenarios. What if this happens? What if that happens? And then make a plan together. Oh, that's so important. And, you know, it, I, I focus on women because it usually falls to the woman. Right. To be the one that implements these conversations. And usually if there comes a time when a family member needs to become a caregiver, that usually falls to the woman too. It doesn't matter if she's working a full-time job. Now, not always, but I would say statistically, uh, the woman is the one that takes care of this. She's trying to juggle work, juggle raising kids, um, and then caring for aging parents. And she has to figure it all out. And it's really, really challenging. They, But when you plan for it, instead of living in crisis, it's so much easier. You know, my sister and I, and I have two brothers, I shouldn't leave them out, but they don't like to talk about it as much as I, but my sister and I are formulating plans on, okay, what happens? How do we take care of mom if this happens? And having that conversation before it's needed. It's such a gift to give your family. Like you yes. said earlier, I had, I'm going to tell just a quick story. I met this gentleman who's, whose mother was living with his sister on the East coast. He and his brother are here in the Seattle region. They fly out every other month. Um, so once a month, the, there's always one of them going to relieve their sister because they had had these conversations with his mom and dad. Mm. And it's just this beautiful, loving family support uh that same day that i talked to this gentleman i talked to another gentleman whose family suing him because they are accusing him of stealing from the family's estate he's the executor and it's he just said they will never be the same so that's why these conversations are so needed you could have you know wonderful family support or fractured family i mean it's yeah, there's well, there's I so want to get to a couple more things before we run out of time. So, you know, the other financial document that's so important is a living will. Yes. So tell me the difference between a regular will and a living will. Well, a regular will is property distribution and a living will is your health care wishes at your end of life, what you do and don't want done. Um, 
there's there's a great tool called the five wishes and i love this tool because it just spells it all out all you have to do is check the little boxes as you go along or you can cross things out if you don't want that and sign in the um the this these are important the things like our living wills are important to know because you know, we all think that, oh, if our heart stops, we'll have CPR and we'll get better because that's what they show on TV. You know, most people after a minute of CPR, they're better and leave the hospital. That's not the reality in real life. You usually end up on a ventilator, some sort of artificial feeding and less than 1% of people 85 and older leave the hospital if they've had CPR. Um, uh -huh. So this five wishes goes through, who do you want your decision maker to be? What kind of medical treatment do you or do you not want? Uh, so I'm going to interrupt you there because obviously, based on what you just said, it's really helpful to get some understanding about different procedures and what actually the result might be. Because oh, you, yes. you all say, "Don't keep me alive on you know, don't don't feed me with a tube and and that kind of thing." But really, most of us don't really understand what it means to yeah, have that's a conversation for a whole whole other show but like i know right now at age 58 if i had a heart attack or needed cpr i would want cpr mm -hmm. i'm healthy and my chance of survival is high if i needed to have artificial ventilation um for a period of time i might be willing to do that if i had to have artificial feeding yes but this is why it's important that we address these on an annual or ongoing basis because what i want at 58 is much different than what i want at 78. yes and i tell people make that your birthday gift to yourself review your wishes um, review your five wishes documents and see if it still pertains and if not change it and then meet with your healthcare people and then share it with your family um it's it's just so important and like we keep going back to that's the gift we give our family um, so what else like, does the five wishes go into the five wishes goes into how comfortable i want to be you know mm -hmm. do i want medication to just knock me out or do i want to be aware there's people that do want to be even if they know they'll be in slight pain they'll they want to be aware and be able to interact with their families and it's all spelled out beautifully there and mm -hmm. you know how do you want people to treat you and where do you want to be? Do you want them to rub your hands and feet? Do you want them to play music? There's uh, so many things spelled out in this beautiful document. And then also what you want your loved ones to know, mm -hmm. what you want them to know and you want to share with them. Uh, you have to make sure that whatever you choose as a living will is legally binding. It differs from state to state. And the way to make sure that it's not an issue is to have these important family conversations. Because if a family's united in supporting your decisions at end of life, there's not gonna be a challenge to it. It's when the families are not, not on the same page that you know, two of the siblings want everything done to save mom, two of them want to take her off life support because there's no hope. That's where the fractures come. And that's where people are kept on life support because they've never made had this conversation and never um, made the decision on who can legally speak for them. So you always want to make sure in your state if it's legally binding a living will. That's why the power of attorney is so important. 
Well, you know, Maureen, every time I listen to you and talk to you, I get so motivated to call my my children and sit them down and get all this done. But then it's sort of, you know, life gets in the way and all of that. So, you know, there's... Um, that's why you're doing this. You're doing this to provide the motivation, the accountability, the education that any family needs to like choose to, to uh, take action on this and to actually accomplish this. So what happened in your life, Maureen, that besides being a nurse that motivated you to start this? Uh, I consider this a really life affirming business. It's really just a heart centered business that you have now. Well, this business came about, um, it, I was motivated because my first job was in oncology, which I just did not want because I didn't want to work with dying people. I was going to get my experience and get out as fast as I could um, and move on to be a flight nurse. But I fell in love <laughs> with the patients and their families and the journey that they were on. And I realized I was good at walking with them through that end of life journey. Back in the day, they used to come in for their chemo um, monthly and, and they would be with us. But it was really, uh, the most recent was a, a random conversation I had had with a woman about talking about grief before it's ever an issue. And I thought that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to share her story. And I'm a part of a wonderful mastermind. And the women in it said, no, you're going to create a business for yourself. And I thought, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to just support others doing this. But things started happening. The universe started giving me signs. And I just didn't pay attention to them until a woman at church came up to me, an older woman that I'm acquainted with. And she wanted to talk to me after, after the service. So we met and she told me, Maureen, I've been praying and praying on this, and God is telling me to talk to you. So when she told me she was afraid of her children not honoring her end-of-life wishes, I'm like, what? Do you know that I'm a nurse? No, I had no idea. I said, do you know that I worked in end-of-life fields? No, I had no idea. All I know is that God was telling me to talk to you. So driving home, I thought, okay, I think I'd be hit by upside the head with a two-by-four. Maybe I should take this seriously. But since I stepped into it, it's become more of a mission and something that I just can't stop because getting someone to not die in the ICU on a ventilator instead of at home, surrounded by loving family, loving on them and um, taking them on that final journey. If I could just help people realize there's choices, mm -hmm. it just makes my heart so, um, so happy. So, that's my my hope. And I think especially with this COVID-19, you mentioned people dying alone in the ICU. I can't even fathom that as a nurse that used to be there. It was those families that were so important to them at that end of life. Right. So, so it's it's such a gift and it's one that I hope I can encourage families to give to each other. Well, your business is just off and running at a, at a high speed. And I find it so fascinating to... Uh, watch people like you and other folks that realize that their purpose in life is something that they are just naturally good at and that they're almost like, you know, pulled into it by the circumstances and the people in their lives. Um, so, you know, th those 30 years that you spent, you know, holding people's hands and, and listening patiently th to their concerns, you know, all of that was putting, putting you in place 
to now be this an incredible leader and motivator for for families. So I think it's really amazing. And uh, I'm grateful to be able to share the wisdom that you have from all that experience and time with uh, folks, uh, their families, and them passing on to whatever is next. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wind down today? I just would love to share to be bold and courageous and start that conversation, especially in light of COVID-19, when things have just changed so dramatically for us that um, it's not, it's like I said, it's not if, it's when, and some people, the when came way sooner than they ever anticipated. Right. Yeah. And with this virus doesn't discriminate against anyone, just like I used to say, cancer didn't discriminate um, against anyone. So be bold, be courageous and start those conversations. And so, (coughs) excuse me, tell us a little bit about how folks can work with you. Well, I work one on one uh, with with people. Uh, do a one-on-one consulting on teaching them how to go through and and run their own family meetings. For me, it's all about bringing the family together and having a, a meeting with your family and then doing it, you know, annually. I did that with my sons and my husband well before I ever started this, and it was just the most beautiful conversation we ever had. So teaching people and helping them plan their own meeting. And I also facilitate family meetings where I go in and help run the family meeting. Mm-hmm. And the um, I'm also doing some workshops mm-hmm. and virtual and, workshops now. And you also have affiliations with estate planning attorneys yes. who draft documents and have be consulting and, and so on. Yes. And, you, and uh, so you have and grief counselors, all different kinds of people. Right. Well, I, I really invite anyone who has been touched by this, uh, feels like our conversation is a bit of a wake-up call because, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we do have circumstances in our life that seem to knock us on the head and say, hey, now is the time you've been thinking about this, so it's time to take action. So thank you again, Maureen. I really enjoyed our conversation. And if you have any questions about the steps that you need to take with your financial plan and integrating uh, an estate plan, visit my website, reinventinghermoney.com, click on schedule, and we'll have some time set aside to chat. So next week, our guest will be Paula Cronister. She's a strategic coach for executives and female corporate leaders. She also has a career over 30 years working with Fortune 500 companies and focusing on how to optimize their teams and how to do large scale uh, corporate change, how to execute some of the biggest uh, business strategies. You know, she has been an insider in some of the biggest decisions in corporate America. So this really promises to be a highly revealing and very educational conversation about how women can inhabit those powerful positions in corporate America. So I really hope you'll join us next week. And I want to thank you for listening and being a part of our Wealthy Life for Her mission. I know you have a lot of shows and podcasts to choose from in your busy life. And so I'm always grateful when you choose ours. And if you enjoyed yourself, please share the show with your friends and family. 
I want to thank the composer for our theme music, my daughter, Alexis Lieutenant Gregory, Eric, my producer, the support staff at Financial Advocates, and everyone at KKNW, 1150 AM. And I look forward to being with you next week. Always remember that financial independence is your birthright. With the right education, empowerment, and the right financial advice, you can overcome your financial challenges and create a wealthy life on your terms. Thanks again. See you next week. Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her Money and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. She is a certified financial planner and wealth advisor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at reinventinghermoney.com.